Today on Awaken to Grace, we are going to talk about the all-important city of Babylon. And you know, so many Christians have questions about Babylon. It's such a large theme throughout our entire Bible. And one of the big questions that we're going to answer today, is Babylon a city or is Babylon a system? And we're going to answer that question today out of Revelation chapter 17 and chapter 18. This is part of a series called All Things New as we are working our way chapter by chapter through the book of Revelation. Well, today is part four of the end of our series and we're titling it All Things New. And today we're going to talk about the mystery and the fall of Babylon. I hope that you're following Awaken to Grace, uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on. We hope that you will consider downloading our free mobile app. Just go to your app store and look up Awakened to Grace. I also hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. It is simply called Awakened to Grace with Chad Roberts, and you can get it wherever you get your favorite podcast. Now let's go to God's Word today, Revelation chapter 17 and 18. They go together, and we are going to study and understand the mystery, and the fall of Babylon. All right, Revelation chapter 17. Today we're talking the mystery and the fall of Babylon. Let's begin Caleb chapter 17 verse 1, please. Chapter 17 verse 1 says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. Okay, so let's understand, first of all, we are in a continuation of chapter 16. You remember seven angels, as we studied last week, poured out seven bowls, or you could say seven vials of judgment upon the earth. And when the seventh bowl is poured out in chapter 17 at the end, it says that the wrath of God is completed. Now, that's very interesting. But when we come to chapter 17, one of the angels that poured out the bowl tells John... In essence, God has one more agenda item before Christ returns. See, chapters 17 and 18, and the reason we're covering them together today is because really the two chapters fit together. It's kind of of an intermission between what is the last of the seven bowls and the second advent of Christ. The literal, physical second coming of Christ. And it's fascinating to me. We're going to see today what God really thinks of Babylon and how important that the destruction and the demise of Babylon is important to God Almighty. And it is though the angel is saying to John, there is one more great agenda item and then everything is ready for Christ to return. So understand where we are in the book. We've come through the seal judgments, through the trumpet judgments, and now the seven bowl judgments are complete. And in the same flow of that, 
one of the angels that had the seven bold judgments is now going to show John the mystery and the fall of Babylon the Great. What I'm going to attempt to answer today is number one, why is Babylon a mystery? Number two, where did Babylon come from? And number three, is Babylon a literal physical city or is Babylon a system? So let's understand where we are. Now John is going to see this woman who represents Babylon. Caleb, take us through it and give us the details of it. Verse 3, And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. Okay, let's pause right there. Now let's understand a few things because this is very bizarre scripture, isn't it? Very odd wording. So let's understand a few things. First of all, why is Babylon a mystery? Now, I want you to understand a principle in God's word. You know, there are many mysteries that scripture mentions. There's a large handful of certain mysteries. Paul talks about the mystery of the church. Paul talks about the mystery of lawlessness. There are many different mysteries that Scripture mentions. Well, when you and I think in our English, in our Western way of thinking of mystery, we think of something that cannot be solved. But that's not really the biblical idea. The biblical idea of mystery is something that has been concealed, something that has been hidden, and is now revealed. Okay? So think, for example, like the username or the password to your bank account. That should be a mystery to everyone, correct? But if someone discovers your password, it is now revealed, right? The idea biblically of mystery is something that was concealed, but now revealed. And now God wants to show us the mystery of Babylon. Now, why is it compared to a prostitute? Why is this idea of Babylon compared to a prostitute? In Scripture, again, in our thinking, when we think of a prostitute, we think only in terms of biological terms, right? And Scripture thinks of prostitution in two ways, not just biological. As a matter of fact... The woman that broke the alabaster box at the feet of Jesus and wiped her feet with her hair. You remember that? She was a prostitute. Do you know that in Bible days, women did not wear perfume unless they were a prostitute? That was one of their calling cards. And when that woman brings in the alabaster jar of costly perfume, and she breaks it. Do you know, in essence, what she's doing? She's walking away from her lifestyle. She's trading it in. She's telling Jesus, I'll never go back to who I was. How beautiful. 
But see, Scripture not only speaks of prostitution in a biological sense, it speaks in a spiritual sense. So when the Bible says that Babylon is the mother of all prostitutes, do you know what in essence it's saying? It is saying that Babylon is the source. It is the mother of all false religions. It is the mother of all cults. It's the mother of all falsehoods, of all false teaching, of all wrong doctrine, of all error. Babylon is the mother. It is the source of it all. Babylon is the fountain bed of every wrong teaching. And you know, as we're praying so fervently over that part of the world, the Southeast Asia and the Southwest Asia and the entire Orient, oh, I think of the strongholds that are over those regions. I think of the false religions that have a grip over those religions. You know, I went to Vietnam some years ago. And I was on the Cambodian and Vietnam border. And I walked into a temple. I visited a temple and, and a, a Kaodai temple. And they had this massive statue that hundreds of people were bowing down and worshiping. I was reading this week Isaiah chapter 44 on what God says of idolatry, of idol worship. And what is idol worship? What is idolatry? It is a false religion. It is false. And the Bible says that Babylon is the mother of it all. So why is it a mystery? It's because what was concealed is now revealed. Continue, Caleb. Verse 6, and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. Okay, now we're going to get into this in just a moment because, again, the angel is going to interpret this for us. There's no guesswork here. What are the seven heads? What are the ten horns? We're going to explain that. But understand, this beast that she is riding, the idea here is that she is steering the beast. Who is the beast? We met him in chapter 13. He is the Antichrist. He is this world ruler. He is this world dictator. Now, I find it interesting, and I want you to understand what I believe is a clear distinction in the book of Revelation because I think, this is, I think this is key. In our culture, and there's no way of getting rid of it because it's just embedded in our Western culture of the church, we call this beast, this world ruler, this dictator, we call him the Antichrist. But you know what's very interesting? Revelation never calls him the Antichrist. John writes of the Antichrist. He writes of Antichristos. That is the Greek term for Antichrist. And he speaks of it in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John in those small letters. He speaks of Antichrist. And remember Jesus said in the last days there's going to be many Antichrist. What does the word Antichrist mean? Antichristos. It means instead of or against is, is our English way of saying it. Against Christ. Anti. Against Christ. 
But John never uses the word antichrist, antichristos in Revelation. He uses one primary word for this world dictator, and it's therion, which means beast. He uses the word therion, not antichristos. I think that's a clear distinction. Why? Because the Bible teaches there'll be many antichrists. Was Hitler an antichrist? Yes. Was Mussolini an antichrist? Yes. Was Stalin an antichrist? Yes. There'll be many antichrists that come and go throughout history. But who is this one world ruler? He is Therion. He is the beast. And the imagery here, even though it's very odd and very bizarre to our Western ears, the image here is that the woman who represents Babylon sits on the beast. In other words, she's controlling. She is guiding. She is steering the beast. Now, let's answer this question before we get into the angel's interpretation. Where did Babylon come from? You have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11 to understand where Babylon came from. If you're going to take notes, here's just a few facts for you. The Bible is a story of two great cities, Jerusalem and Babylon. Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible more than any city mentioned in Scripture. Babylon is the second most mentioned city. You can find the word Babylon nearly 300 times from Genesis to Revelation. Isn't that interesting? 300 times Scripture mentions Babylon. It's a narrative of two cities, Jerusalem, Babylon. Now, what's interesting, when we come to chapter 21 in October, what is what does John call the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven? He describes it while, while the Bible describes Babylon here in 17 and 18 as a prostitute, foul, vile, unclean. How does the Bible portray the new Jerusalem? As a bride adorned for her, for her husband, holy and pure and radiant and joyful. Isn't that interesting? As you study Revelation, you see clear distinctives. You see different narratives. And here we see the narrative. Here is Jerusalem as a bride adorned for her husband. And here is Babylon the Great as an unclean prostitute and the mother of all prostitutes. In other words, the mother of all false religions. So where did Babylon come from? You go back to Genesis chapter 10. We're introduced. This is the post-flood era. We're introduced to a man who became the first world dictator. He is the first global ruler. And do you know what his name is? Nimrod. Now, that's not a nickname for your teenagers. Nimrod was a, he was the first global ruler. And he ruled over the Tower of Babel. This, these are the roots of Babylon. And what does the Tower of Babel represent? If you're going to take notes, note this. It was the height of man's rebellion against God. 
It was the first self-made religion. And it was the first global rebellion, the first organized rebellion against God. God told the people of that day, scatter upon the earth and multiply. And what did they do? They clustered and said, we will build a tower that reaches into the heavens. And what was at that time, the height of human ingenuity is going to be mirrored in the last days. And I believe that just as Nimrod was the first global world ruler of Babylon, so the beast, the Therion, or what we call in our culture the Antichrist, the Antichristos, is going to be the last world ruler in what will one day be Babylon. Are we on the same page? Now, Scripture is getting ready to get very complicated. Say amen if you're with me right now. I had a cup of coffee right before this sermon. Let's pray it helps me because this is... Okay, Caleb. Now, take us through this because this is... He's going to talk about the seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. Another is to come. And then an eighth is going to rise up and be part of the seven. What in the world? This scripture of all scriptures, made me scratch my head. So let's understand it. Take us through it, Caleb. Verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. So the beast, let's understand, is the world ruler, Therion. This is what we would call the Antichrist. Okay, continue. And the dwellers on earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will marvel to see the beast. Now, that is an important phrase. Don't forget, throughout our entire study, we've identified different categories of people. We've seen the 24 elders. We have seen uh, uh, Israel. We've seen angels. We've seen the four living creatures. We've seen the tribulation saints. And then, who are these, what we've called, earth dwellers? Those who dwell upon the earth? Who are they? Scripture gives the clear identification right here. They are those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world were laid. Continue. Verse 9. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Okay, so let's pause right there. You who want to be students of prophecy, you who want to understand prophecy, note this in your notes. When it comes to prophecy, mountains in the Bible represent governments. They represent kingdoms. They represent empires. You have to go back to Daniel chapter 2 in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Do you remember there is the large statue that he saw? And do you remember the description of the large statue? There was the golden head, which represented the Babylonian Empire. And then the silver chest, which represented uh, the Persian Empire under Cyrus the Great. 
And then there was the bronze thighs, which represented the Greek empire, which was Alexander the Great. And then there were the two legs of iron, which represented the Roman empire. And then there were the two feet, which were mixed with clay and iron. And what happened to the statue? A stone crashes into the feet of the, of the statue. And who is the stone? Jesus Christ. And what is that stone? It's his second coming, which we're going to study next week in chapter 19. And when the stone crashes into the statue, which represents the global empires of the earth, of all human history, and when the stone crashes in and the kingdoms of the world fall, then what happens? A mountain forms. The government of God, the kingdom of Christ, the millennial kingdom And what happens? The mountain grows and covers the entire earth. Mountains and prophecy speaks of empires. It speaks of kingdoms. It speaks of governments. And so the angel is going to tell John, the seven mountains are seven kingdoms. They represent seven kings. Okay, take me through it slowly, Caleb. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen... One is, the other has not yet come. Okay, now let's under, you've got to understand Daniel's statue to understand this piece of scripture. Seven kings. Okay, if you go back to world, how many of you love history? Raise your hand if you love history. I can't see you. Don't raise your hand on a blind preacher. My goodness. <laughs> That's the blind leading the blind. Lord help us. Say amen if you like history. Eh, Some of you. All right. I don't want to make you you that don't love history. I don't want to make you yawn here. But can't. But listen. Let's understand God's word because this is fascinating. So say amen if you're with me. Seven world kingdoms. You had the Egyptian kingdom under the pharaohs. You had the Assyrian kingdom. If you want to take notes, note this. The Egyptians, the Assyrians. That would have been a vast majority of our Old Testament. Then you come to Daniel's day. And under Daniel, we have the chapter 2, the King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Okay, now you have the Babylonian kingdom, the head of gold. And then you have the Persian kingdom under Cyrus the Great. Josephus tells us that when Cyrus the Great walked into Babylon and met the aged Daniel, Daniel would have been in his 90s, Daniel gave him a scroll of Isaiah 44. And on Isaiah 44, you can read it for yourself. In Isaiah 44, at the end of the chapter of Isaiah 150 years before Cyrus the Great was born, God said he's going to raise Cyrus up as one of his shepherds. Can you imagine what Cyrus thought when he receives a scroll from 150 years ago and God says, you don't know me, but God says, I know you. (laughs) Can you imagine what that man thought? And it's all predicted. Why is prophecy so important? Because God declares the end. From the beginning, it tells us that God is sovereign and God is in full control. 
the Egyptian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Mede-Persian Empire, and then came Alexander the Great with the Greek Empire. Now, what did the scripture say? Five have fallen. One remains. What's the statue of Daniel 2? The golden head Babylon, the silver chest, Persia, the bronze thigh, the Greeks, but then two iron legs. Who are the two iron legs? It is the Roman Empire. Now, Scripture says five have fallen. That's Egyptians, Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, and the Greeks. One remains. I believe that's one of the iron legs. Uh, I'm sorry, not one. It is the iron legs. What's going to come are the feet. Now, watch this. John wrote, we believe John wrote the book of Revelation in about 96 AD. Christ died in 33 AD. We believe John wrote around 90 AD. Do you know who the emperor of Rome was when John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos? It was Domitian. You know who he was? He was the brother of Titus. We've talked about Titus a lot in our study. Who was Titus? Titus is who was predicted in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. He's the prince that was going to crush Israel. And when the brother of Domitian Titus, when he crushed Jerusalem, Israel no longer was a country, no longer was a state for the next 2,000 years, which is the times of the Gentiles. Do you know who Titus and Domitian's father was? Vespasian. He's the man who built the Roman Colosseum. And he succeeded Nero, who beheaded, who beheaded Paul in 69 A.D. The Roman Empire ruled with the iron fist. And in John's day, the only thing they knew were the Roman was the Roman Empire. Now, it's interesting. Now, pay attention to the scriptures. Seven kingdoms are prophesied. Five have fallen. One is. Which one is that? That is Rome. He's riding under the emperor Domitian, and one is to come. Well, okay, what is to come? Okay. Now, in Daniel's statue, he sees two feet mixed with clay and iron. Why is it clay and iron mixed? I think, I think there's a reason for that. I believe, as, as scholars believe and teach, and, I, and I, I agree with this, I believe that teaches that the Roman Empire is going to be revived. The Roman Empire is going to rise up again. Now, why is it mixed with clay? I think what it's saying is that iron Roman Empire is not going to be as strong as the previous Roman Empire. But I believe that the mixture of clay and iron there tells us that the European countries, that, that, that former Roman Dominion is going to come back on the earth yet again. So now think about what the angel tells John. He sees seven kingdoms. Five have fallen. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece. 
One is the Roman Empire, and one is to come. We could call that Rome Part 1, the legs, and Rome Part 2, the feet. Now, continue on, Caleb, and watch what it says about the beast. Verse 11, as for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven. Okay, now this is why so many scholars believe that the Antichrist, the beast, is going to come out of the Roman Empire. Now, is that factual? We don't know yet. He was not going to be revealed until the rapture of the church, 2 Thessalonians 2. But for scripture to say that the eighth, which is going to be the empire of the beast, is going to come out of the seven. And if the seven is the revived Roman Empire, the mixture of clay and iron, then that would tell us that the beast is going to come out of those European nations. Does anybody find this fascinating as much as I do? Continue on, please. Verse 12. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. Okay, now people try to figure this out. Okay, well then who are the ten kings? Is that going to be China? Is that going to be Russia? Is that going to be the United States? Is that going to be African nation? Notice what the scripture says. They've not been revealed yet. So don't waste your time. Don't speculate. We're not going to... We're going to see these things from heaven. We're not going to know them on the earth. So where scripture says we don't know, guess what? You're not going to know. And just let it be. Amen? Continue. But they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those with him are called chosen and faithful. Isn't that beautiful? He is Lord of lords and king of kings. Note the distinction. (coughs) The earth dwellers, their names were not written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world. But what's it say of those of us who are with the Lord of lords and king of kings? We are chosen and faithful. That's you, my friends. Amen. Amen. Continue, please. Verse 15. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And that's consistent throughout all the scriptures. That's an idiom that the Lord uses all through the scriptures. Uh, Waters, seas always represent those things. Very consistent with scripture. Go ahead. Verse 16, and the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Until the word of God is fulfilled. Every word of God will be fulfilled. Remember our principle through the study of Revelation. When there's chaos on the earth, there's control in heaven. God is controlling everything. Continue, please. Verse 18. 
And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. Okay, let's pause there. Now, let's answer our final question today. Why is Babylon a mystery? Because it's now revealed. What was concealed is now revealed. Why is Babylon a prostitute? Because its spirit, its idolatry, it poses the things of God. But why? Uh, but let's answer our final question: What is Babylon a literal, physical city, or is Babylon a system? I believe my interpretation of Scripture. I believe the answer is both. Babylon will be a literal, physical. I believe it will be the capital of the earth. I believe just like Nimrod, the first world ruler of Genesis 10, I believe Satan will rise. He'll raise up Babylon and the last world ruler, and it will be the capital city of the earth. But it's also a system. It is also going to be a political system, a religious system, and a financial and commerce system. I tell you the way I think of it in my mind, Wall Street. Is Wall Street a financial system? Yes. But is it also a physical location? Yes. It is both. And that's, in my mind, how I think of Babylon. It is going to be both a city and both a system that opposes God. Continue, please. Chapter 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. Just don't forget this. Over 60 times we encounter angels in the book of Revelation. You know, I was thinking this week, I was praying for the people of Afghanistan, and I just can't get out of my mind. You know, when Elisha was surrounded in Dothan with uh, the, the, the armies of Syria and kings. Do you remember what surrounded the Syrian army? An angelic army. Chariots of fire. And you know, I was just, my mind was running wild. And I just, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, Lord, I, I, literally, I believe more in a spirit realm than I do this natural, physical realm. I believe more in the spiritual realm. And I was just sort of weighing that this week, and I thought, Lord, why do I believe so strongly in angels and warfare? And Lord, why? I mean, I think about it a lot. And Lord, why do I believe so strong in it? And it's like the Holy Spirit just said, Chad, it's because how much you read the Word of God. And you believe the word of God. And you know what, friends? The more I read the Bible, the more it shows me that spirit realm that is more real than this dimension we're sitting in right now. And if you'll pay attention to Revelation, you'll encounter the spirit realm like never before. What does John see? An angel that was given authority. Over 60 times we're introduced to these kinds of angels. I just imagine that 90-year-old Apostle John, I wonder how many times he just wiped his eyes. And here he sees this angel given great authority. Continue, Caleb. 
verse 2. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Ah, that's important. We said in chapter 14, why is it redundant? Why does it call it twice? Remember, we went back to Joseph and Pharaoh's dream in Genesis. And what happened? Pharaoh had the dream, woke up, had the dream again. And what did Joseph say happens when things like that happen in, the, in twos? He said, it means God has established the thing. God has ordained it. And when this proclamation is made in chapter 14, and now again in chapter 18, fallen, fallen is Babylon. What is the implication? God has ordained it. This is mighty, church. This is big. This is one of the main agenda items that God has in the tribulation period. And we are going to watch it unfold right now in the text. Continue, please. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. Now, Paul's right there. Now, this is, again, you got to know your Old Testament. This is a direct parallel to Israel. Because in the Old Testament, Israel is sometimes mentioned as widowed or divorced. And what God is showing here is the arrogance, the height of the arrogance of this city and this system, this thousands and thousand years system that opposes God, that she would say, I am a queen and I'll never know mourning. God is showing the arrogance and God is showing his fierce, fierce, fierce wrath. And where are we in all the mix? We're chosen and faithful. Friends, you and I are protected by the Lord God Almighty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But God is going to pour his wrath on Babylon, on the system and the city. As we read this, just note, find indicators for yourself that indicates this is a literal, physical city. I believe, just, just my interpretation, I believe it's going to be the literal today city of Babylon that sits on the Euphrates that is about 50 miles south of Baghdad in modern-day Iraq. 
King Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon straddled the river Euphrates. You fast forward over to Revelation, and what did we see previously in the book? Four fallen angels that God has bound for that day, for that week, for that month, for that year, for that very hour on the river Euphrates. And what is one of the, uh, the, I believe, the sixth plague, the sixth bold judgment that we just saw last week, the drying up of the river Euphrates. Why is Euphrates so important? I believe because the literal city of Babylon will sit up on it. And God is going to judge it in his fierce anger and his fierce wrath. And then you skip over to chapter 19 in the first handful of verses. It is such a major deal that God commands all of heaven, rejoice. We're going to read that in just a moment. And you know what happens in chapter 19? All of us who are in heaven, as we watch the smoke of Babylon rise forever, we shout hallelujah. This is a major, major thing. And I'm afraid we miss it with our Western ears and our Western eyes and our Western minds. We miss the gravity. We miss the enormity of what's going on right now. But understand, this is one of God's last and great and final items on his seven-year tribulation agenda. And we'll have a front row seat to watching it unfold. Now, as we begin to wrap up today, we're going to be introduced to three categories of people who's going to mourn over the literal, physical destruction of Babylon. Continue, Caleb, and I'll take another several minutes here just to finish. Verse 8, For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city of Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. Okay. So who's the first category that's going to weep over Babylon? The kings of the earth. And what does it say? They stood afar off watching her smoke. Could this be an indication of nuclear fallout? Pure speculation. Either way, God is going to judge the city. And the first set of people that's going to stand afar off, why are they afar off? (laughs) Could be radiation, but they're going to mourn over the city. Okay, next set, please. Verse 11. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold. Okay, pause right there. The second category is going to be the merchants. Now, John, this is very interesting. John gives us 28 items. Why does John list 28 cargo items? I think, again, it proves this is a literal, physical city. It's a system And it's a physical city. And by the way, you remember what we said through our entire study? You'll never exhaust the number seven through the study. 28 items, four times seven. Continue, please. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood. 
bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and <coughs> sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. Do you know what the Greek word there for cinnamon is? Cinnamon. <laughs> but listen, some people, some people would say souls, slaves, slavery is over. Oh, no, my friend. Do you pay attention to human trafficking? Do you see the statistics of human trafficking? Let me tell you, God's word is more accurate than tomorrow's news. Continue, please. Verse 14. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud, alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. All of this wealth is laid waste. Wow. So we've seen the kings, we've seen the merchants, now we're going to see the final set that's going to stand afar off and weep. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all those who trade is on the sea, stand, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? Hmm. And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour, she has been laid waste. Mm. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence Mm. and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth. And all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on earth. Wow. Is that not fascinating scripture? So what is the point today? The point is that Babylon matters to God and God will judge her. The point is that what began in Genesis chapters 10 and 11 with Nimrod that became What was that height of self-man religion? What was that height of human ingenuity? That was that height of rebellion against God will be in full force during the tribulation period. And what is the point? God's going to judge it. What is Babylon? I believe it is a literal physical city to come. But it is also a system. It's a system that opposes God. You know, when I read these scriptures, the Bible said, come out of her who are my people. You know what I think of? 1 John 2, 14 and 15, 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
For if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I want to be part of those faithful and chosen. That's who I want to be part of. 